Greetings. Thank you all for returning to this week's new study episode titled The False Teacher's Denial of the Lord's Return, Part 4. I am Pastor John, welcoming our returning global audience of unchurched, self-study people, as well as those who are part of a church. For anyone looking for greater depths in God's Word with a stronger personal study, we also extend a warm welcome to all our new listeners here for the first time. Thank you all for listening. May you all be blessed of God. Please note, by way of reminder, our links in our episode notes are fixed with long links as of episode 18, hosted May 1st, 2022. You will notice a change in our episode notes format the way the text is formed. It is to visibly demonstrate this change in our episode notes and our links. These links will not break because they are not provided by any service. For social media, a short link is required to minimize the total number of characters used specifically on Twitter. We have gone with a different link shortening service for these links. However, and please note this fully, all previous episodes from episode 17, posted April 17th, 2022, all the way back to episode 1, cannot be changed. Any and all links in these episodes are dependent on http colon forward slash forward slash is dot gd being up and working properly. We apologize for the inconvenience this causes. Again, we apologize for the larger inconvenience this also greatly caused and causes with our prior episodes from April this year backward. In our last episode titled, The False Teacher's Denial of the Lord's Return, Part 3, May 1st, we found out that our scripture passage in 2 Peter was quite strong when Peter said, The day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. The ungodly is very clear and unmistakable penned by Peter. That, at the very least, infers something different awaits us who are saved by Christ. We also learned about scoffers. We learned the definition of the word scoffer as well. That word meaning firmed up better what is said of the ungodly in our Bibles. We noted too, William Burkett who said, the Apostle Peter said, these scoffers know better. If they be ignorant, they are willingly ignorant. What a change God made in the world since the first creation of it, and that he can as easily destroy it as he did at first create it. This notes the difference between being simply ignorant of knowledge and being deliberately ignorant or willingly ignorant. William Burkett also said that the day of judgment will be a day of perdition 
to ungodly men, they shall then be... To find out more, listen to our previous episode titled The False Teacher's Denial of the Lord's Return, Part 3. Today, our scripture reads, Now, dear friends, do not let this one thing escape your notice, that a single day is like a thousand years with the Lord, and a thousand years is like a single day. The Lord is not slow concerning his promise, as some regard slowness, but is being patient toward you, because he does not wish for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief when it comes. The heavens will disappear with a horrific noise, and the celestial bodies will melt away in a blaze, and the earth and every deed done on it will be laid bare. Since all these things are to melt away in this manner, what sort of people must we be conducting our lives in holiness and godliness while waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God? Because of this day, the heavens will be burnt up and dissolved, and the celestial bodies will melt away in a blaze. But, According to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness truly resides. From Free Version of the New English Translation with Limited Notes, 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 8-13. through 13. Notice this part of the first sentence. A single day is like a thousand years with the Lord, and a thousand years are like a single day. Notice further, 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 8-9 through 9, is the second consideration by which the apostle meets the objection of scoffers against the doctrine of the second coming of the Savior. The objection was that much time, and perhaps the time which had been supposed to be set for his coming, had passed away, and still all things remained as they were. The reply of the apostle is that no argument could be drawn from this, for that which may seem to be a long time to us is a brief period with God. In the infinity of his own duration, there is abundant time to accomplish his designs and it can make no difference with him whether they are accomplished in one day or extended to a thousand years. Man has but a short time to live, and if he does not accomplish his purposes in a very brief period, he never will. But it is not so with God. He always lives, and we cannot therefore infer because the execution of his purposes seems to be delayed, that they are abandoned. With him who always lives, it will be as easy to accomplish them at a far distant period as now. If it is his pleasure to accomplish them in a single day, he can do it. If he chooses that the execution shall be deferred to a thousand years, or that a thousand years will be consumed in executing them, he has power to carry them onward 
through what seems to us to be so vast a duration. The wicked, therefore, cannot infer that they will escape because their punishment is delayed, nor should the righteous fear that the divine promises will fail because ages pass away before they are accomplished. From Barnes' New Testament Notes In my part of the world, many have used this portion of verse 8 alone. They make it sound like a mystery that has no solution and explanation. They lord it over those looking for understanding and better knowledge of God's Word. They convey it as a mystery of God's Word, when in fact, it is not. Peter, if not in a poetic sense, uses this statement to merely state that time, in the eyes of God, does not carry the same relevance as is found in humans who mark time for many reasons. Peter is simply saying that time is not relevant to God when forwarding his plan. Yet, neither is his plan executed in an arbitrary or ungoverned way. How God orders his plan is done in a way not common to the ways of man. Remember, we use the order of time to grow food, to make deliveries, to make appointments, to cycle things that need repetitive change like harvest and oil changes in cars these days, and more. So, what is the bottom line here? I think commentary said it best. The wicked, therefore, cannot infer that they will escape because their punishment is delayed, nor should the righteous fear that the divine promises will fail because ages pass away before they are accomplished. For better definition of this phrase, we can learn further. One day is with the Lord as a thousand years. That is, in one day, in one moment, he can do the work of a thousand years. Therefore, he, quote, is not slow, end quote. He is always equally ready to fulfill his promise. And a thousand years are as one day. That is, no delay is long to God. A thousand years are as one day to the eternal God. Therefore, quote, he is long-suffering, end quote. He gives us space for repentance without any inconvenience to himself. In a word, with God time passes neither slower nor swifter than is suitable to him and his economy, nor can there be any reason why it should be necessary for him either to delay or hasten the end of all things. How can we comprehend this? From John Wesley's Notes on the Bible. That truly is the question. How can we comprehend this? For as long as I can remember, there has never been a teaching on this issue in any part of the world. Anything regarding this issue has been held in more of a mystery by many who know no more than those they lord this false mystery over. 
The bottom line here is that no one is learning anything from this portion of verse 8 with people trying to teach something they know nothing about despite how they appear. How wrong is that? If this is a poetic way of writing, Peter is saying, bottom line, time is not relevant to and with God as humans use time. While simple, that is all we can purposely glean from this statement. So, we can move on. Notice further, God gives us space for repentance without any inconvenience to himself. That tells me, at the very least, that scripture is true. God wants all to come to a saving knowledge of him. To achieve that, he gives us the time we need to come to our senses and repent of our sin. Scripture further tells us, of which I have quoted before, that when we are forgiven our sin, it is not remembered by God anymore. If that is true, what is up with that Bema seat judgment for God's people? The answer to that question is another study for another time. However, the short answer is that it is for the unforgiven sin in our lives, regardless of our lives' timeline. It is also regardless of when we were saved in Christ. All previous sin to our conversion is forgiven. However, all sin from our conversion forward that we do not seek God's forgiveness of will be discussed between us and God at the Bema Seat Judgment. Again, moving forward. We should learn as well. In a word, with God, time passes neither slower nor swifter than is suitable for him and his economy, nor can there be any reason why it should be necessary for him either to delay or hasten the end of all things. That firms up even greater the understanding that God is not playing with and or manipulating time to his advantage. The earth really is in its second incarnation of its creation. Now, headed for its next renovation, seemingly sooner now than later. Verse 9 reads, The Lord is not slow concerning his promise, as some regard slowness, but is being patient toward you, because he does not wish for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. We just found this in commentary. Maybe not expressed this exact way, but it was there. Notice as well the reason. He does not wish for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. If you believe there should not be a reason to delay the time of his coming for us on the clouds to take us home, here is one very good reason why he would delay coming for us. Yet, even that time, consumed by his delay, seems to now be running short. We are not out of time for repentance, but 
That window seems to be closing. How soon it will completely close is not known. Keep that in mind. In that thought, however, it is probable that the apostle here had his eye on some professing Christians who had become disheartened and impatient and who, from the delay in regard to the coming of the Lord Jesus and from the representations of those who denied the truth of the Christian religion, arguing from that delay that it was false, began to fear that his promised coming would indeed never occur. To such he says that it should not be inferred from his delay that he would not return, but that the delay should be regarded as an evidence of his desire that men should have space for repentance and an opportunity to secure their salvation. From Barnes' New Testament Notes There it is. The reasoning for this delay, if that is what we are going to call it, of the Lord's return for his people here on planet Earth. The delay should be regarded as an evidence of his desire that men should have space for repentance and an opportunity to secure their salvation. This is true even in these last days, which grow shorter as they pass. Remember, what is here marked as a delay is just that in the minds of people and not God who has organized this time with his reasoning for it. Verse 10 reads, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. When it comes, the heavens will disappear with a horrific noise, and the celestial bodies will melt away in a blaze, and the earth and every deed done on it will be laid bare. We have heard this before. Notice what Peter says again. The day of the Lord will come like a thief. We have studied this aspect before. A thief comes when he is most likely to be unseen. So, this common analogy is used for people to simply and easily understand that Christ's second coming for us on the clouds will be without any warning. For further understanding, read the parable of the ten bridesmaids or parable of the ten virgins, depending on how your Bible titles it, if titles are provided. For in that parable, Christ returns unannounced. Only five of them were ready, while five others had to get ready. Are you ready? Or, has the lapse in time and the worsening global situation caused you to lose heart? To even think, maybe it is not true that Christ will return after all. Maybe this study will help you step back from that thinking to rethink what is going on and what Scripture says will happen. Folks, we are closer to the return of Christ than we have ever been. So rejoice, and as Scripture says, look up. 
Notice verse 10 in closing. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. When it comes, the heavens will disappear with a horrific noise, and the celestial bodies will melt away in a blaze, and the earth and every deed done on it will be laid bare. Our apostle, having asserted that this solemn day of judging the Jews at the destruction of Jerusalem first, and then of all mankind at the end of the world, will certainly come. He next shows the manner how, and that although this great day of the Lord comes slowly, yet it will come unexpectedly, like a thief in the night, surprising the secure and unprepared part of the world. The thief comes without warning and without noise, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. Reference, Revelation, chapter 16, verse 15. Quote, Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed are they that watch. End quote. Observe next. The apostle declares what a great change there will be when Christ comes to judgment, namely, a total disillusion of the whole frame of nature. The heavens shall pass away with a great noise. The elements shall melt and the earth be burnt up. That is, say some, totally consumed and utterly abolished. For when there is no more need of sun and stars, of earth and water, why should they be any more? And when the saints see God face to face, what need of the glass of the creatures to behold the face of God in? Other conceive that the heavens and earth shall not be annihilated, but bettered and improved, their substance continued, but their qualities changed, that out of this conflagration God will bring forth a new addition of heaven and earth, and of what is contained in them, to be the everlasting monuments of his own power and goodness, and the delightful objects of his saints' contemplation. From Expository Notes with Practical Observations on the New Testament by William Burkett. The last part of what William Burkett said paints a very beautiful picture of God's work in renewing the earth and heavens. A new world and heavens within reach of the eye that are sin-free. A new world to certainly be contemplated by mankind in today's life. A new world and heavens to want to be in for the rest of our eternal life. Do you have eternal life in Jesus? Next week, we will continue to look at the damage a false teacher can do in our episode titled, The False Teacher's Denial of the Lord's Return, Part 5. What does Peter mean when he says, What sort of people must we be? Join us next week when we will learn what Scripture is saying. Play or download our episodes from one of our podcast hosts, or Follow direct links to these platforms on our website under the podcast menu item. Details follow. All Bible quotes 
without a citation, are from the New English Translation Free Version. Also, please check our show notes for links to our website and other information you may want to know. This study podcast is a wholly self-funded outreach presented by the Church of the Unchurched, currently an all-electronic Boston-based outreach uniting the community of lost, searching, lonely, and forgotten in Christ. We greatly appreciate serving our international audience. God bless you all. If you are visiting for the first time, welcome and God bless you. We look forward to the return of all our faithful listeners and new listeners. Thank you all so much. Please share our podcast with family, friends, and others you believe would find it a blessing. If you are unsaved, we truly hope you find God as well as receiving Him as Lord and Savior of your life. Please find a short link to our episode titled, How to be Saved, at the bottom of any episode description. To learn more about us and who we are, give our episode titled, Introduction, About Us, Who We Are, a listen. In that episode, you will learn more about us, who we are reaching out to, our mission, vision, ministry, and more. Again, a short link to this episode is found at the bottom of any episode description. If you go to our internet homepage, under the podcast menu item, you can find many popular podcast platforms we are found on. So, you should be able to find us on a platform you like. We refresh all our feeds with every weekly episode upload on Sunday's U.S. East Coast time zone. These sites update our feed within 24 hours of our refresh, many sooner than others. Our website is located at this internet address, unchurched.site123.me. Now, may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and by grace gave us eternal comfort and good hope, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good thing you do or say. Until next week, this is Pastor John for the Church of the Unchurched.